The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Iowa will go 7-0 and for the first time since 2009 when the Hawkeyes started 9-0 and and ended up winning 11 games, including the Orange Bowl. It was a six-point game at halftime, but Iowa outscores Northwestern 24-0 in the second half. 40-10 is the final score. Hawkeyes head into a bye, hope to get Bethard and some running backs healthy for the stretch run in Big Ten Conference play. They're atop the West and in command after a 40-10 win over Northwestern. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is a special podcast, mid-season quick hits, rapid-fire football midterms. Features Scott Docterman of the Gazette, Steve Batterson of the Quad City Times, and our own Tyler Chumland. You'll also hear from Iowa's offensive coordinator, Greg Davis, and Iowa's defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. Game highlights are courtesy of ABC ESPN2 with announcers Dave Pash and Brian Greasy. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Let's hear from Iowa's coordinators now. First up, offensive coordinator Greg Davis, who gives his overall assessment of Iowa's offense at this point in the season. Well, obviously we're glad to be uh, 7-0, and, and, and the bye week comes at a good time because there's a chance to get some bumps and bruises held uh, up. Also gives us an opportunity to work with uh, some of the young guys that uh, have not had as much work since we broke camp. So, uh, you know, that's encouraging. You know, a lot of positive things going on right now. I think uh, someone told me we're leading the Big Ten and plays over 40 yards. So one of the things we wanted to do was try to be a little bit more explosive. Uh, we have nine different guys that have done that. We're doing a pretty good job in the uh, in our third downs. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of good things. Uh, next man in, we've, uh, you know, we've had four different tackles start ball games. We had two different running backs that have gained over 200 yards. You know, we're excited about uh, where we're at. We realize there's uh, a bunch of work to be done. Davis was asked why his offense has become so explosive. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, one, our backs are doing a good job. I think uh, C.J. is, you know, seeing opportunities to take the ball down the field and, and taking them. He's not, a, you know, he will take those shots. The other thing I think that goes unnoticed, uh, two things really, our fullbacks have done a great job uh, and our wide receivers have done a great job. You know, most of the time when an explosive play happens, for example, the very first uh, touchdown against Northwestern, I think it was 35 yards around the end. The line did a good job. Uh, It was a little bit of a counter zone play. Jake Hilliard did a good job. He came in and got to safety and uh, and we had Akram one-on-one with a corner. And so we we had cleaned everything up for the back. made the corner miss and, and you know it turned out to be an explosive play so you know usually those things are a combination but I think uh, probably not enough nice things said about uh, uh, our fullbacks and our wide receivers because they've really done a good job of creating explosive plays downfield. And Davis opines on why his run game has been so effective this season and the impact of quarterback C.J. Beathard's play in that regard. Without question when you can run the ball a, a lot of things a lot of things set up for you the you know 
play action pass, your protection. So, you know, it, it, it all starts there in terms of what you're, what you're trying to get done. And, uh, uh, and the backs have done a good job. The line have done a good job. And so we'll, we haven't done a bunch of different things, quite honestly. We've done a few more different formations this year. We've, uh, you know, we've played with some 20 personnel, uh, in and out of some 20 personnel. We've done some things. Uh, but for the, you know, for the most part, we still believe in running the zone, the slant, and then a couple counter punches off the, the play that uh, uh, Jordan broke uh, for 75 yards was a one-back power play. Uh, it was a check play. CJ saw a look that he that he liked, and 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 you know he took it and. And Jordan took it to the house. So you know, a lot of it is uh, a lot of it's what's happening up front. I think a lot of it's uh, our quarterbacks getting us in the right plays, and then again, the receivers downfield. Next, we hear from defensive coordinator Phil Parker, who talks about the success his defense has had this year in setting the edge. Everything goes back to leverage, and, and you know it's not like we weren't coaching it last year. This we weren't as efficient as we are right now, but uh, I think we, we put a little bit more emphasis on it, do a lot more individual drills with you know maybe wide receivers, defensive backs, linebackers, linebackers uh, on tight ends. So we do some more drills, but we emphasize a little bit more, and they've done a good job, and, and I I think, uh, you know, guys running the ball with proper leverage helps out. Parker was asked what has surprised or impressed him the most about the defense so far. What's impressed me the most is, you know, going to the meetings every day and the intensity that they come into the meeting and the preparation that they do. I mean, this 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 team has a chemistry and togetherness that reminds me of some of the teams back in the early 2002-2004 teams that are collectively, they understand, they're in the room, they're talking, and, and it's really important to each other. And I think the chemistry of the team is probably the most important thing, and that's really impressed me. Um, I question nobody's toughness on that field. You know, I think they're tough-minded guys, and they, they want to work together, and it's always worried about what's next. And Parker discusses how the Iowa defense can improve even more during the remainder of the season. The biggest thing I talk about is, you know, obviously uh, scoring defense is the most important thing to me, you know, and I think we're somewhere around 10 in the country with that right now. I think that and obviously rush defense is important to us and we might be somewhere around fourth in that that position. But my biggest thing that I think we need to improve on is giving up big plays. I think right now we have a total of five big runs over 15 yards, which is not good enough. Uh, for us and then we have 22 passes over 20 yards anytime that we've been really good football team around here we're usually about 35 to 38 big plays a year so we got seven games in we're averaging right around 3.9 big plays a game we want to be two plays big plays a game or less so we're a little bit high on on that number right now so if we can keep it in the 30s in the range of the 30s i think you know that's where you, anytime you give up big plays you sit there and watch that usually turns into points so if we can eliminate the big plays in the passing game and the run play i think we, we should be okay i think 2009 or something i think we gave nine runs up over 15 yards so that's our goal to be under at least under 10 with the run we definitely need to improve that there's a huge hit on the quarterback. The ball is out. It's recovered by Iowa. Josie Jewell absolutely torched Clayton Thorson. Nathan Budgetow was the first to pounce on the football for the Hawkeyes. Parker Hesse eventually recovered the fumble. How about Iowa blitzing a little bit more, too? This is something you know, we never used to see them blitz. If you call five-man pressure a blitz, some people do, some that don't. But in an empty set, it absolutely is. And, and Iowa used to never do that. They're actually doing that more.
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to get our experts' midterm comments and grades for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Quick hits, rapid responses. In this segment, Steve, Scott, and Tyler will each, one, provide their overall assessment of the team at this point in the season. Two, name their biggest surprise on offense. Three, name their biggest surprise on defense. And four, assess the state of Iowa's kicking game. When you take a look at this Iowa football season, I think probably the biggest thing that I've been impressed with with this team is is its uh, togetherness, its its leadership, and and uh, how that is, has translated into success on the field. There's there's no question that uh, you know this team is. Uh has uh, had a start that I don't think a lot of people envisioned. Um, it's been a team that uh, has been, uh, you know, it seems to understand how it interrelates to each other, how the offense and the defense have to work together and how beneficial it can be when that happens. And You know, this start, uh, given the team's uh, ability to win close games, to find ways to win in the fourth quarter, those are, are certainly traits that uh, that were lacking a year ago within in the Hawkeye team, and, and it's something that uh, was addressed in the offseason, and, and the Results uh, have led Iowa to seven and zero and and three and zero in the Big Ten at, at the bye week, which uh, you know I think is uh, uh, you know it's a reflection on uh, every every person within the program, from the coaching staff through the uh, through the players, and uh, it, it certainly is something that I think moving forward uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing finishes up. Offensively, I've really been impressed and, and, and somewhat surprised with with the uh, with the consistency that we we've seen of uh, the Iowa offensive line. We, we certainly, uh, you, you take a look at uh, you know Austin Blythe, who knew had a very solid center. Uh, Jordan Walsh has taken his game to another level. Sean Welsh has has returned and and uh, done a fine job at guard as well. The, obviously, the two questions heading into the season were, were tackles. You know, all of a sudden, four guys have played there, but uh, it, you know, and, and they've played they're fairly effectively, and I think that has helped uh, create some cohesion, which has led to the success that we've seen in the Iowa run attack throughout the uh, the opening months of the season. And and uh, I, I think uh, I don't know if I would label it a surprise. Iowa's offensive line play has been so consistent over time, but it certainly has been a uh, you know a welcome uh, trait that this team has developed that uh, is really uh, you know allowing it to have the kind of success it is having uh, against some extremely uh, talented. In the defenses. If you take a look at the Wisconsin game and just the way Iowa controlled things up front at, at critical moments in that game speaks to uh, um, you know, not only the leadership that Iowa's getting out of Austin Blythe in that center spot, but to, to everybody who's lining up across that front five. Defensively, I think one of the bigger questions coming into the season was was at linebacker. I think it was probably one of the bigger areas of disappointment a year ago, and a lot of it had to do with inexperience. And, and uh, I think Jim Reed has done a, a terrific job of putting the right pieces in the right places. I think the you know the addition of Ben Neiman uh, on the outside has, has added some athleticism, which is providing uh, additional quickness that is helping Iowa compete and and do do a much better job in defending the run. It's been a, a terrific season for. Cole Fisher uh, and 
you know, a fifth-year senior who who really uh, hadn't been much of a factor throughout his career, and suddenly emerges into uh, you know uh, such an effective player out of the linebacker spot. And Josie Jewell has, has settled in in the middle, and and uh, you know that collection of, of of three guys is really complementing what uh, what Iowa is getting from its front four, which uh, you know I think everybody thought would be fairly solid, and I think people expected the back end to be solid as well. And certainly Desmond King is having a, a terrific season at cornerback, but uh, the linebacker play has, has been a surprise in terms of just its consistency and, and its, develop, its development from, from week one through week seven. Iowa's kicking game, I think, has been uh, you know fairly consistent. The uh, emergence of Dylan Kidd uh, as as one of the better punters in the Big Ten, and, and certainly uh, Desmond King's growth uh, in the return game, both as in kicks and punts, has, has really uh, changed the complexion of Iowa's special teams. It was an area that had kind of slid in in recent seasons, and it was an off-season emphasis, and, and that that emphasis is, is paying dividends. Uh, you know, the Hawkeyes are, are are having better field position on on both ends uh, of the field, if you will. The defense is, is pinning people back in, in part because of, of kids' ability to uh, to drive the ball a little deeper, and uh, and certainly uh, King's returns are, are setting the offense up in better positions, too. It's It's been one of those areas that needed to improve, and we've seen growth, and I think that's uh, that's been really significant. I guess right now looking at, at a team that's 7-0, and ranked 12th in the country, and the way that they performed on the, both on the road, at home, in the face of adversity with injuries, uh, I don't think you can ask for anything more from this team or this program. 7-0, and uh, that would have been tough to think about even before, without any injuries, um, you know, with a new quarterback, new tackles, um, an unproven running game, a lot of question marks on defense lingering from last year. I, I think to expect them to probably go five and two would have been, you know, bright side up, you know, considering the competition they faced. A lot of people have talked about how Iowa doesn't, didn't, wasn't going to play anybody early, but however, you look at Pitt five and one leading the coastal division of the ACC. You look at Northwestern, the way they performed this year, Wisconsin's always a tough out. I mean, even Illinois State, I think, is ranked fourth in the country in the FCS, and, and their only loss was to Iowa. So, I mean, this uh, the schedule, the the way they played, the way they performed, and with a lot of injuries um, on the road, the success they've had, I mean, to me, there's really, you know, it's, it's, it's almost astounding the the way they played, and, and the, you could tell the chemistry on this team is as good as I've ever seen it at this as a program. So, you know, to give it an A-plus, I think, would be would understate what I think this program program is right now. Offensively, I think the biggest surprise to me is just how well they run the football. You know, you lose uh, the best offensive lineman in America who went fifth overall in the NFL draft pick and Brandon Sheriff. You lose another tackle in Andrew Donnell, and you insert two guys who barely played. Uh, you, you know, the interior offensive line, you know, had some question marks. You look at Sean Welsh wasn't there for spring practice. Uh, Austin Blythe and Jordan Jordan Walsh had some really some decent games in the past. They're, they're starters, but I don't think that anybody would suggest they were All-American caliber. And, and then, you're, you're again, you're running backs. Uh, you you know, Mark Wiseman was your trusty guy for a long time, and and you know some injury-prone guys were back there. So you look at this running game, you think, okay, can they do this consistently? Let alone what they've been able to do. I mean, you look in the Big Ten in the three games they played against Big Ten competition, and I think all three are, are bowl teams at least, um, if not eight, nine, ten win t- caliber teams. They've averaged almost 240 yards on the ga- on the ground. Uh, that's that's incredible. Back to back 200-yard rushers with your basically walked in with your number two and three rushers doing 
doing it. The way that they've been able to, to manhandle teams up front. I mean, Northwestern was the ninth-ranked defense in the country going into that game against Iowa, and Iowa runs for almost 300 yards, but really their third and fourth running back. To me, I think that is uh, as big of a surprise as anything. It shouldn't surprise you, but it does because when you have that kind of uh, inexperience to see a team like that perform the way they have, is you know, it, it really is incredible. I mean, I, I hate using a lot of those superlatives, but I think right now with this team, you almost have to use them because that's the only way to accurately describe them. I would say on defense, the the biggest surprise that I've seen is probably the play at linebacker. I expected them to be pretty good up front, um, even though they lost Carl Davis and Lewis Trey Capasad here with the Ravens and Rams, respectively. I kind of thought that Joel Johnson was going to be the next great one in the middle, and so far that's proven to be true. I mean, it's been a real unfortunate part for them that Drew Odd has been, uh, you know, has, has suffered that season-ending injury there with uh, with his knee, but um, but I think overall the, the linebacker play is just taken went from below average to now not even a better than above average i think josie jewel you know has gone from uh, you know a freshman kind of looking around trying to figure out what to do to to being a really solid performer in the middle and and uh, i dare say one of the better linebackers in the big 10 and, and he's only a sophomore i think you look at the play of, of cole fisher it's, it's, he's been very steady he's been consistent um you know and that's an upgrade and then of course on the outside you know the unsung hero of this defense to me is Ben Neiman. The way he sets the edge, uh, you know, you know, really has prevented a lot of those problems they had last year with the end around sweeps, the jet sweeps, uh, and problems hit the outside. I mean, he's done a really good job there, and he's kind of, you know, we've, we naturally kind of compare him to AJ Eads and his build, but his ability is there too. So I think the way that they've been able to stop the run and in three games, I mean, you're talking about games against you know some pretty good competition in in the Big Ten, Wisconsin, and their running game, of course, and in Northwestern and Illinois. They're averaging 61 yards. I mean, I think they're fourth or fifth in the country against the run. To me, that's just uh, that that shows you coaching, you know. And, and we we spent a lot of time in the off season kind of uh, assessing this at a, at a what where is Iowa going to go? And I think part of it had to be coaching. And you look at the job Jim Reed has done, Phil Parker, and then ultimately Kirk Ferentz. Um, they coached their players up. And I'm not saying that there won't be doubts in the future or even this year if if something goes down. But I think right now they've answered any kind of questions as to whether or not they're capable of being the coaches um, and leading this team. So I would say stopping the run the way they've done it on the linebacking core has been, uh, you know, has been a real positive for this team. As far as the kicking game goes, I think there's a lot of things to look at that's been really successful. I mean, you look at the 57-yard field goal that Marshall Kane hit against Pitt, you know, is maybe the epic moment of the season thus far. I think Dylan Kidd is an improvement as a punter. He's, you can't you can't overlook that. And the, the coverage teams have been better. You know, Desmond King has been a terrific shift to uh, both kick return and punt return. I expect him to break one. I think in the punt game especially, he's going to break one here in the next few weeks. You know, he's, he's averaging, you know, I think 15 yards a return, and that's something that was basically non-existent for Iowa for many, many, many years. And even when they had really good punt returners like a Micah Hyde, you know, who would have been great if they would have let him return it, if they would have had people out there helping him. And, you know, but I think there's some concerns. I mean, right now, you look at uh, Marshall Kane, and, and, you know, he's missed three extra points. He's missed some chip shot field goals last few weeks. You know, it didn't, it hasn't been him yet. I mean, you know, when they went to Wisconsin, he missed just a short one. And last week, 
against uh, Northwestern at the end of the half. He misses another short one. It, you know, they've been able to overcome that, but I don't think you want to in the course of the year. I mean, while the schedule doesn't appear to be dawning, you don't know what kind of challenges are out there. I mean, you don't know if you get to an Indiana and you get in a shootout and you're just going to need that field goal at some point or, or Nebraska on the road. I can't imagine that's going to be an easy game. So whatever it is there that's missing, misfiring, they got to get it taken care of. And, and I thought after he hit that 57-yarder, um, you know, he, was, he just seemed bankrolls and, and ching, 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 ching going through his uh, wallet here in the next year. And now you're starting to wonder, okay, you know, if you can't show any kind of consistency as a kicker, there's not many NFL teams that's going to take a chance on him. So that, and that's unfortunate. I think getting that right, if they can do that, I think they can prove that they can be right there in, in the end. take a look at this Iowa team and they're 7-0 and they're undefeated you can't really ask for a better outcome as far as wins and losses they're ranked in the top 15 for the first time in a long time and Kirk Ferentz has been kind of sly about it and saying you know we're pushing on we're pushing forward and I think it's hard to rank just if you want to give an overall grade to this team I think it's hard to give them an A plus by any means because it's been difficult a couple times with the Wisconsin game knockdown drag up the defense was a one it they had to win a game and on a game winning field goal against Pittsburgh but as I said they're 7-0 and that's all that really matters. They're undefeated in the Big Ten. They're poised right now to strike at the top of the Big Ten West and to end up in the Big Ten championship team prior to the season. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to say that the overall assessment so far is good for the Hawkeyes, and you can even say it's great, but they have a lot of work yet to do before the season's over. The biggest surprise on offense this year, I think, is probably the ability for Iowa to run the ball. You look at their offensive line as you graduated with Brandon Scherf and Andrew Denal, and I, and you look at you know a lot of young guys. You get James Daniels in there as well. Um, they're starting a freshman right now, a true freshman on that offensive line, and their ability to run the ball. I think Jordan Kinziri has been a spark. He's now injured. Akram Wildey steps in against Northwestern and has a very, very great game with the four touchdowns, getting over 200 yards. But I think that's really been the biggest surprise is their ability to run the ball and dictate things on the offensive side of the ball. Biggest surprise on defense, I think, has been the linebacking core. You look at what that core was last year. They were all very inexperienced, reluctant at times. I think you have Quentin Alston graduate. You have guys stepping in there. Uh, ben Neiman has been very, very good. Josie Jewell has been as good as advertised as well. I think the linebacking core has been the biggest surprise. You could even make an argument that the linebacking core is the biggest strength on this Iowa defense. The kicking game, I'll break it into two separate parts. That is punting and punting and place kicking. Punting, A plus A all the way around. Dylan Kidd has been terrific. He's been fantastic. He's been able to down the ball inside the 10 a couple times. He's had a great net on the season. But place kicking has been eh, a little iffy. Marshall Kane had a big game winner against Pittsburgh, but he's missed a couple extra points, three extra points uh, recently. So we'll see where that goes going forward. If I want to be successful and have the kind of special season fans want, the kicking game needs to be very good for Iowa. After this break, the guys address three more key questions. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. 
TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Continuing now with our experts in this segment, Steve, Scott, and Tyler will each, number one, grade the coaching on offense, defense, and special teams. Number two, give us their prognosis for the balance of the season. And three, project Iowa's bowl possibilities. When I take a look at the coaching uh, at all on all three segments, offense, defense, and special teams, I, I'm I'm been uh, did this for our publication as well, and I, I've uh, I've kind of been consistent with B's across the board. I think there's still room for growth, and I think it's certainly progress over what we've seen. And uh, I think that uh, you know, as you take a look at at uh, what's transpiring, it's not necessarily that, that the game is being coached that differently. Uh, a lot of what I was doing is is what I has done when I was done well, but the message is obviously sinking in into with the players, and and they certainly seem to have an understanding of, of what needs to happen. I think one of the the most significant things that coaches did in the off season was to get guys to kind of step back and and to understand and gain an understanding of, of how each other's roles within the structure of an offense or defense how they work together, and and I think the time that was taken to do that, whether it be by putting Brian Ferentz, uh handing him the the title of run game coordinator, letting him work not only with the linemen but with with the uh, with the backs, and and having them have having them really understand what the guys up front, and conversely, having the guys up front understand what the backs are looking for and such. I think it's really made a big difference, and and, and certainly the coaches deserve some credit for that. It's going to be an interesting five weeks, and I think that that's uh, something that uh, if you take a look at, at the season back in August, I, I think people would have wondered if that would have been the case, but uh, uh, certainly the schedule is, is every bit as manageable as, as it was envisioned. This is a team that has made the most of its opportunities to this point and put itself in a pretty good position. If you take a look at uh, where I was at and, and what lies ahead on the schedule, there are certainly some games that could be uh, could be a little tricky. Uh, you know, Minnesota handled the Hawkeyes very effectively last year in Minnesota. You know, the Indiana game at Indiana uh, against a, uh, a very effective offense and, and, and a talented quarterback in Nate Sudfeld will not be easy. Maryland handled the Hawkeyes very easily a year ago. Obviously, they're they're going through some transition right now. Those those three games are out of the chute, and, and Nebraska on the back end certainly is uh, another challenge out there that uh, the Huskers have played some decent football. They haven't been very successful in finishing off games, but uh, uh, there are certainly some some potential potholes along the, along this road for the Hawkeyes. It will be interesting to see how they handle it. You know, I think this team one thing it has done is is, is kept the focus week to week, and and I think that uh, certainly has been beneficial, and that needs to continue. They can't get too far ahead of themselves, or they're going to find themselves in, in, with some problems. I do, th- I do think this is a, a team that has a chance to reach the Big Ten title game. I think the, it certainly is in their control at this point. It, it, you know, it will be interesting to see how things play out in the other division. It, it's uh, uh, Ohio State has uh, seems to be hitting its stride, but uh, you know, certainly Michigan State uh, ha- had a huge win last week at, at Michigan, and, and Michigan is not to be discounted either. So it, it's going to be an interesting five weeks on uh, to six weeks actually on that side of the conference, and, and if uh, things uh, play out 
about the way they they appear. Uh, you know, I would suspect that uh, you know an Iowa team that uh, can handle its division will have a chance to go to Indianapolis for the first time ever, and and will likely be beating Ohio State or Michigan State in, in that game in Indy. And I would like Iowa's chances. I think against Michigan State, uh, although Connor Cook is a terrific quarterback as well. But uh, and Ohio State will be interesting to see if if, if they can really kind of get that mojo back that they had a year ago. We're starting to see signs of that, but it certainly hasn't been there consistently yet. Yeah, this this may be actually a year where Iowa ends up in a bowl game somewhere other than Florida, which would be kind of unique, I guess, in, in recent years. Uh, you know, they're certainly, uh, they've put themselves in a position to contend for, for one of the major bowls. As coaching goes, I don't think you can say anything below an A for this team. I mean, we've again we talked about the lows in the off season at times, and and uh, you know this was five, kind of a five year run of mediocrity. I mean, they had a nice year in 2013, you know, but kind of wrapped around disappointing years in 2012 and and uh, 2014, you know, kind of engulfed that 13 season. And and uh, you know when you're 19 and 21 in Big Ten play, when you're 34 and 30 overall, and, and last year they lost four trophy games. The Malize the fan base. You look at the season ticket sales and demise and and what have you, and just just the general tone of the fan base. Um, you know, to be able to reverse it so quickly and play so well on the field and kind of go back to the basics, if you will, but also be smart enough to reevaluate what didn't work, to change your tone, to taint, you know, not necessarily your message, but just the way you kind of deliver your message to the public. I think was really important, and uh, you know. I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Kirk Ferentz, you know, the fact that he's not going to sit there and just do things the way he wants to do them, and that's it, and be stubborn about it. That he actually went out and and changed the way he de- he conducted his business publicly, and then internally they went back to who they are. I mean, they are Iowa. They're a physical football team. They're they're going to be mean and aggressive and nasty up front, and they've been able to do that. And you look at, you know, I, I don't think you can understate also the way that they've allowed their players to just kind of grow together and unite behind a trigger man and, and C.J. Beathard, and I can't believe I haven't mentioned him yet, but probably the best quarterback Iowa's had under Kirk Ferentz. And I think being able to allow that growth in the offseason, whether it's just disappointment from last year feeding into a motivation or, or just coaching better, making tweaks along the way, I think in all three phases, they've gotten better. They've gotten better drastically. I mean, on special teams, being able to put more starters on special teams units to prevent big plays, on defense to be able to to adapt and, and re-coach and swarm to the football once again and, uh, you know, and avoid some of those you know, end-arounds, those jet sweeps to, to gouge them on the edges and still remain stout up front. And then you look at offense to be able to run the football, but to be able to do it in different ways, not just rely on the inside-outside zone, but to have incorporate more counterplays, uh, more power, to use your guards, you know, like a Jordan Walsh and a, and a James Daniels who are just extremely strong and, and powerful drive blockers and guys who move well in space along with Austin Blythe pulling him too. I mean to be able to make those little adaptions and yet still keep the core of what you believe in your tenants I think shows that this this coaching staff has done as good a job as anybody in the country. 
I think when you look ahead, I think there are roadblocks. I don't think there's a game on the schedule that Iowa won't be favored in, and uh, that's uh, that's kind of odd. But considering the teams that they've already beaten, you know, the competition is probably downgraded a little bit. However, you can't overlook anybody, and I don't expect this team to do so. I thought I think it's been an interesting little uh, discussion this week. You know, Kirk Ferentz you know, spoke with my colleague Mark Morehouse about this, and just that you know, allow them to dream big, allow them to have fun during the bye week. You know, and then by the time they get back and they start focusing on Maryland, they'll be focused on Maryland. They're not going to look at, wow, what if we go 10-0 and or 12-0 and or whatever. No, they're going to look at Maryland specifically. Now's the time to just kind of have that release valve and enjoy it and get get healthy and what have you. And, and I think, the, the to me, the biggest X factor in this team right now is going to be health. If they can stay healthy the rest of the way, then I think that Iowa can run the table and go to the Big Ten Championship and be a very competitive team there against whomever they play. You know, if they can get their tackles back. If C.J. Beathard can be as close to healthy as possible the rest of the way and not get in, injured anymore. If Tavon Smith can stay healthy. If, and, and these are some ifs, uh, obviously, but they've been able to show that they can overcome it. But I don't think they can overcome it every game. To me, I think there's two pitfalls on the season that they got to be careful about. One is Indiana. And Indiana is not a great team by any stretch, and Iowa will be able to score on maybe every single possession if they don't turn the ball over. However, they have a quick strike capability they they have a high tempo and sometimes it's tough to get off if you get off don't get off the field you're going to struggle against that and last year I think we were looking at a shootout at, at Kinnick before Nate Sudfeld got hurt and was knocked out for the season so I think uh, that the, the potential for that is Iowa running up a six minute drive maybe stalling kicking a field goal and then Indiana just kind of boom 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 goes up the field and scores a touchdown and you're over there that at some point you're going to get a little bit frustrated and I think that's that's a potential speed bump Iowa is the better team. However, sometimes the better team loses on any given day. And then the, the other one to me is, is obviously the finale at Nebraska. I know Nebraska's having a down season. However, they've been very competitive in every game. And, and you can make the case that they should, if not win them all, they should have won a few more that they've lost. So if you have an 11-0 Iowa team going at a, say, a 6-5 and Nebraska or 7-4 and even Nebraska, and, and if that's the case, they'd be rolling at that point. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a proud fan base. It's a huge stadium it'll be full to the rafters I think you look at it and and that to me you know that would spark any kind of rivalry if you have you know a, a slugfest in Lincoln I think nobody at Iowa has forgotten last year the words that was said against uh, you know you know saying where Iowa was and they, and they had to make a coaching change based on that as opposed to the fact that Iowa was a quality football program and likewise uh, you know in Nebraska would it, it would kind of cap their season if they could say you know go ahead and beat Iowa um, and ruin Iowa's year, even though it, it was a down year for them, it would still be a, a positive for them in the big scheme of things. So I think, uh, to me, that's the biggest hurdle of them all. I, you know, and it's very well, it, it very well could be that Iowa uh, could have it wrapped up by then as well. Uh, if Nebraska loses one more time, if Iowa takes care of its business going into there, um, Iowa will be already the Big Ten West champion with what people would determine nothing to play for. However, 12-0 is a lot to play for so I, I could uh, I could see that being also kind of a, a theme going into that game 
when you look at bowl possibilities, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen. I mean, let's let's dream big. Let's look at the top. Let's say they not only win the West, they go undefeated, but then they play in Ohio State or Michigan State and win that game. They are going to the playoff. They want two bowls, either the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. And that is a big deal. I mean, that is a superstar big deal. So if you look at that, there is, um, you know, they're going to go to one of those two. Um, now, if, say, they go 12-1, and one, uh, they lose the Big Ten Championship game, or say they lose to Nebraska but win the Big Ten Championship game and don't quite get into the playoff, then the Rose Bowl is the possibility. Um, there's a there's a potential spot between, you know, like say a Michigan State who might be 12 and 1 and Iowa who could be 12 and or you know 12 and 1 and I guess Michigan State would be 11 and 1 over the Rose Bowl if like Ohio State beats Iowa in the championship the Rose Bowl gets to make that pick whether it's Michigan State or Iowa now um, generally speaking they'll pick the higher ranked team however it's all on the Rose Bowl and other factors are will be figured in that and among the other factors include the last time that they've been in uh, Pasadena whether or not they were a divisional champion I mean so some of those other factors are in Iowa's favor. So I would say that, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl stands out as a, as a really strong possibility. However, if the Rose Bowl were to, say, pick uh, Michigan State over at Iowa, you could look at somebody like uh, the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. And finally, if, if and that's part of the New Year's Six, so that's that's a huge, big, important bowl game. However, you go one step below that, if, if for whatever reason, so let's say they lose to Nebraska and lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, then, you know, the, the Citrus Bowl, formerly known as the Capital One Bowl, I think is is the likely possibility, and that would um, include a you know a really strong SEC opponent, you know, uh, an Alabama, an LSU, a Florida, you know, a, you know, Ole Miss, somebody like that, and I think that could be a you know that that'll be a heck of a game, no doubt about it. But it it probably la- it obviously lacks the prestige you might have of a you know of a Rose Bowl or or one of the playoff bowls. So right now, you know, you've got to like your position if you're Iowa. I think enjoy the ride <laughs> we nobody expected this ride nobody expected them not only to be 7 and 0 but to play the way they are and and these seasons we as we know don't happen very often and and while everybody may think wow what what about next year no don't worry about next year <laughs> next year is next year this is this year and soak this soak it up as much as you can because there's nothing better than being a part of something like this and to have the low expectations they had and to play the way they have got to enjoy the ride and, and I think right now that's the most important thing when you look at this team Coaching, offensively, I'm going to give him an A. I think Greg Davis has turned a corner. I don't know if that's personnel. I don't know if that's scheme. I don't know what that is. But for some reason, Iowa's offense has been clicking. They haven't clicked as well in the passing game over the past few games once Big Ten play got started. But they're able to run the ball. They're able to find first downs when they need to find first downs. And D.J. Beathard has been really good, I think, for the Hawkeyes. They get Trevon Smith back. Jake Deere, the tight ends are finally healthy as well. Plus, George Kittle has had three touchdowns this year, his first three of his career. Defensively, Iowa, I, you got to give him an A. They've been terrific. They've won games for the Hawkeyes. You look at that Wisconsin game, they won that game for Iowa because the offense was sputtering. I'm going to give the defense an A. I think Phil Parker's done a terrific job on the defensive side of the ball. Special teams, I'm right in the middle. It's tough because they've missed some PATs, but they also won a game against Pittsburgh, which I don't know if they win if not for making that big field goal for Marshall King. I mentioned earlier, punting has been very good. Desmond King has been terrific in the return game as well, and that's been a bright spot for Iowa this season.
you look at the kind of how this season has gone and what, what Iowa's been able to do. They're 7-0. They've got some tough games coming up. I don't necessarily know if Maryland can push them in the game at home coming up in, in next week. But the way the season balances out, they're essentially a game and a half up in the Big Ten West because they had the tie break over Northwestern and Wisconsin, the two teams that I foresee being right there at the top with Iowa. But teams to watch are Nebraska and Minnesota. Illinois can even make a run at this thing if they really start going and they really start winning football games going down the stretch. They've been very, very surprising so far this season. But, you know, you look at you look at Iowa fans, and they're talking Big Ten title game, they're talking championships, they're talking undefeated, undefeated season. But right now, Iowa is focused on what's ahead, game by game, and try to win the second half season. I say second half. I know there are seven games in their past the second half mark, but the bye week really, I think, to me, marks halftime for the Hawkeyes, and going forward, if they can get some big wins, and even if this team ends with 10 or 11 wins, I think it's a very, very good season for Kirk Ferentz and his crew. Both possibilities. I'm not, I hesitate to mention the college football playoff because I think the can of worms, it's not, it's, there, there's no reason to open that yet. It's not necessary, but down the road, we continue to try and talk about that. If they get a win over Maryland, if they get a win over Minnesota, then I think you start talking about that possibility. But they've got tough games come up. They go to Indiana, they go to Nebraska, and I don't necessarily think that's where we need to start the conversation, but I think you are talking about a New Year's Day bowl for sure for the Hawkeye team. I think you're looking at uh, your typical Big Ten bowl, depending on how things shake out with Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State on the other side of things. You're looking at a Capital One board. You're looking at all kinds of good possibilities for the Hawkeyes. And I would not be surprised if Iowa ends up dropping a game and ends up in a good New Year's Day bowl game. The difference is last year, in 2014, things were not so great going into the Capital Bowl game. But this year, I think things are going to be up and up. I think the fans are optimistic. I think a New Year's Day bowl game is definitely realistic. But as I said, this guy could very well be the limit if this Iowa team can't figure out a way to go undefeated and end up playing in Indianapolis in early December. Fellas, Leave the tight pads to the ladies. If I can count the coins in your pocket, you better use them to call a tailor. Meanwhile, Akram Wadley came in with 35 rushing yards and eight carries. He's got 73 rushing yards here on just seven attempts in less than a quarter of play. He wasn't out there really until Kanzari got hurt. And I got Adam Cox in it full back first and goal from the four. Wadley, another broken tackle and another Wadley touchdown. Iowa taking advantage of Northwestern turnovers and poor special teams play. to take a 15-0 lead, second touchdown for Wadley. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to ABC ESPN2 for the game highlights this week. And thanks, as always, to Steve Batterson, Scott Docterman, and Tyler Chumland. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you will come back for more, and that you will subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.